stars. Hey, now this week we are paying tribute to one of the greatest stars Hollywood has ever produced, Judy Garland. Judy was a sensitive soul whose magnificent voice and classic films move us till this day. Now it's been 50 years since Judy passed away and on the night of her funeral, in June 1969, the Stonewall riots occurred. Wow. I don't know that correlation. Wow. either. Fed up with police harassment, the patrons of the Stonewall used their grief over Judy's death to rise up and fight back. And the gay liberation movement was born. Amen. Well, whenever Judy Garland pops up in anything on my TV screen, my ears always perk up. Uh, finding out that Judy Garland's funeral happened like the night of or, you know, the because the riots were that next morning. But uh, that the night of Stonewall was actually news to me. I don't know. Did you know that? I did know that. I, I did. I um I had never I didn't like know a lot about it so I had never put two and two together this idea that the grief from her funeral had kind of inspired the fuel for the Stonewall riot Stonewall riots um that was not something that I had heard expressed before but I did kind of hear almost like some kind of grand queer coincidence some kind of like dovetailing of queer grief in a way but not that there was necessarily a connection right and I mean I guess there are people that that do put those two together mm -hmm. RuPaul apparently on one of the largest queer platforms in the world uh, has put together for many people queer and non-queer alike um, it's just I don't know I was like what really that seems so reductive to me and like kind of wrong and so I did my own research I talked to some uh, some old queer men <laughs> mm -hmm. that that were that were at the the riots um and i was like hey just running this by you they they don't watch drag race so like they didn't even see this question coming mm -hmm. um but i was like what's up like is was this true um and the the common response was that yes this is a thing that people say was a correlation but all three of the, the obviously I only asked three people, okay? Um, mm. but but all three that I asked said most of the people there were listening to other types of music. Like they weren't listening to Judy Garland. Um yeah. and the other idea that one of my friends said, my friend Mark, he said, actually most of the people probably didn't have the means to even buy her her records and listen to Judy Garland's music. Yeah. So it, it, it was it, it he says that that sure there's a there's a correlation but it's not a causation. Um, yeah. and and that it's very fun to think about be, for, if you're a Judy Garland fan. But not every every gay was a Judy Garland fan just like not every gay watches Drag Race. Well, yeah, and I think that's kind of what like it is I think to your point it is kind of reductive to just say the whole thing is inspired you know, that that everyone was just like reaching into their own depths of grief about Judy. That was probably true for many people and certain people. But I think, um, you know, I like I the kind of research I had done basically, you know, from one guy's perspective, it was like these riots were going to happen uh Maybe this was just the straw that broke the camel's back in terms sure. of like, you know, the the how much people could carry. But I don't I don't. And I guess, you know, I think there were different people. I heard, you know, someone was telling a story about, you know, 
people chanting, you know, St. Judy, protect us, things like that. I think that is more telling of just like gay men's reference points. You know, like if I was in a riot, I would be calling on Judy Garland to protect me regardless. You know what I mean? Because I'm a gay man. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, with Lady Gaga, I feel like, you know, Lady Gaga has a funeral in whatever, 50 years or whatever. God mm-hmm. forbid. 300 um, years. You know, who and, knows? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are going to be people. There are going to be gay people that are huge fans of, of Lady Gaga. And then there's going to be plenty that aren't. I just think it's not to, to, to reduce like a generation's violence to, you know, being fed up with it to just Judy Garland, I think is putting Judy on way too big of a pedestal, a pedestal that she might not even have wanted. I think that's exactly I was going to say. Like, I don't think she was even really looking for that pedestal. I don't think that she – I feel like Judy Garland, in terms of the gay community, it was like she was aware that she had a big gay following and she welcomed it and she had open arms about it, but she wasn't – Judy wasn't out there throwing the first brick. Judy had her own battles. And I, <laughs> exactly. you know. Yeah, she's a sensitive soul, as we, she, as we heard. Yes, she um, is. So why, why did RuPaul choose d- to do this? You know, I mean, I think, I think, you know, if you can find some kind of correlation, I think it's a way to tell a very, I don't know, inspiring story. Um, I don't know. I, I also feel like it was done in a way to kind of, deepen the importance of Judy Garland as if like what she had done on her own and what she represented and what she tapped into and like as if like as if that balance of vulnerability and strength wasn't enough yeah it's like a strong arm of Stonewall into this episode honestly they're like how can we connect this to gay rights you know right to like validate Judy as like you know you don't need to make her like this intrinsic part of the gay rights movement you can just have her be this like incredibly inspiring figure and this like raw talent and yeah i mean girl if if judy garland was on drag race she'd fucking win that shit because she <laughs> i mean i don't know if she could sew but like <laughs> she was so goddamn talented you know <laughs> she would certainly be a guest judge you know oh, and, yes. and she might you know get all soupy on us that was the best i was just you thinking know? she would she would throw an old mic cord over her shoulder like it was one of those <laughs> 60s performances and like oh you know I, that was the best yeah <laughs> She'd have Lorna and what's his name, Michael, on either side of her. There's like this interview with her, like (laughs) towards the end, where it's like, oh, Judy, like, I don't, I just think maybe this should have been in print, but God bless her, you know? You know, whenever you say Judy or whenever really anybody says Judy, I think of Clueless. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Like, I would really shop at Judy's. This is one of those times where I let you do the line, where we let each other go, let him do the line. Let, okay, go for it. Yeah. All right. All right. You have to perform now. Yeah, okay. it's a freckle moment. Okay. Yeah. Like, I waited. Like, come on. Where's the Judy line? I'm anyway, anyway, this uh, Judy Garland's funeral and the Stonewall riots dovetailing in, in your terms is fabulous to think about and is, is really cool. I also believe in facts and, you know, I, I don't think now is the time to be just saying things willy-nilly that work for our storylines, you know? Facts are facts, America. Yeah. And aren't we, what is this, the, the 40th anniversary of Stonewall this year? 50th, yeah. 50th, 50th anniversary of Stonewall this year. Yeah. I think, like, let's tell that story straight, so right. to speak. Straight. Yeah. <laughs> let's tell it forward. Yeah, like, let Judy be a part of it. Let Let that kind of be, you know, 
in the energy, like yeah, in the it's room. like oh, the Stonewall happened, the Stonewall riots happened, and Judy Garland died the night before, and you know, it's just like it's just an and, it's yeah, not a like, because. Some people's anecdotes were they were feeling a lot of grief about Judy, and then this right. happened. Some were right. like, "Girl, I never listened to right. Judy. I was just fed the fuck up," you know. And you know what? If somebody wants to think. Yeah, we were fed up because and Judy Garland's death helped fuel that. Sure. Okay, you can have that. Like, fine. That's that's the narrative that you want to feel. It's like, great. But don't block out everything else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, I think all that being said, I I went into I mean, from the preview last week of this episode, I was expecting to get like a similar to like the way fruit flavors appear in LaCroix soda. Uh, uh, I was expecting Judy to appear as faintly in this episode. And so yeah. I was so impressed to see her worked in and weaved in multiple times. Totally. Totally. So, it, like, it was it was in the walkthrough. It was in the main challenge. It was in yep. the lip sync. Yeah, yeah. It was good. And to that po- and so again, I kind of feel like there was so much they could bring Judy into this that they didn't need to like make her like the figurehead of the gay rights movement they could have right, just like right. said coincidentally yeah I'm, everybody knows lady gaga is the figurehead of the gay rights movement duh right like naomi uh, smiles duh <laughs> exactly uh i was listening to my um my other my favorite horror movie po- uh, podcast gay lords of darkness and one of the co-hosts stacy was just tearing into lady gaga and she was just like She's such a huge Madonna fan, and she was just like, I can't stand Lady Gaga because she just lifts things directly from Madonna without even crediting her. Like, it's one thing to pull inspiration, but she just lifts it and acts like it's her own. And we're all supposed to be so inspired by her. It's like, I was like... No, listen, I'm like, just quoting. Like, born this way and express yourself. Yeah. That's notorious. Yeah. yeah, and so I just thought, oh, that's an interesting commentary. Well, uh, you know, it's an interesting commentary, but at the same time, like, Madonna... Uh, Minato couldn't play the piano like Lady Gaga could. Like there are nuances. It's yeah, not that I mean, nuance. Lady Gaga has an incredible singing voice. I don't know if Madonna's like pure singing. Careful, voice. careful, Colin. We I'm, have some very, I, very important, think, lovely Madonna fans listening. I literally <laughs> said I don't know if Madonna's voice is as strong. I don't know, but the impression I get is that Lady Gaga has a more naturally. Um, I don't know. Uh, natural, a, a natural talent for just singing. more natural singing, but like no denying, Madonna is a uh, groundbreaking artist. Obviously. For sure, that's that goes without saying. You know, I always wonder about Madonna. Sorry, just to go on to another gay Why icon not? for Why a second. Um, Madonna, she gets so much shit for her role in Evita. I know Amanda like hates Madonna in Evita, and I don't. I don't understand. I thought she did great in Evita. Am I, I just is that because I've never seen Patty Lapone do it? Like, I don't know. I've never seen all I've seen of Evita is the the music video um for Don't Cry from Me Argentina, pretty much. Oh, that's it? Oh my god. Colin, yeah. Yeah. it's it's actually it's pretty good. It's it's not great, but it's pretty good. And Madonna's great in it. Yeah, no, I I really want to see it. It's one of those movies that, like, I have a lot of movies, and it's like, why haven't I seen this? I should totally see this so that I know how to make a reference to it. Yeah. And, you know, and I've I've actually never seen any of Evita. So, Patty LaCombe. Yeah. I've seen, uh, I've been avoiding Evita. It's like cherishing Valerie, avoiding Avita. avoiding Avita. It's gonna be my next my next series, and in the details where I talk about all the things I don't know about Avita. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, anyway, um, wow, okay, so Lady Gaga and, uh, Madonna stands are fighting, and, yeah, uh, Judy Garland stands, and, you know, gay activists are fighting, too, so. Yeah, we have started a riot here on All Right Mary, <laughs> inspired by Judy Garland's, just like, <laughs> I don't know who threw the first brick, but, wasn't me. Oh, it was Naomi Smalls, duh. <laughs> Naomi Smalls, duh. Manila went home, duh. Duh. She started it. She started it. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi Smalls, duh. I Naomi love Smalls, that. duh. I, I love know. that. I love that. Oh <laughs> uh, well, with that, actually, let's jump into this episode where we talk about Naomi Smalls, duh, and yeah. Manila, and tell our Marys what they are listening to. Well, they're of course listening to another episode of All Right, Mary, duh. <laughs> All right, Judy. <laughs> all right, Judy. Um, which is, of course, our podcast dedicated to all things Drag Race, the world of Drag Race, and the paradigm that RuPaul has created with this little beady beady TV show. I'm Johnny. And I'm Colin. Duh. Duh. And this week, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's like, oh, all right, you know. <laughs> you know, you got to keep making the joke till it gets funny again. You got to just go through that dry period where it's annoying. Um, duh. And, duh. Duh. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and obviously, Doug, this week we are con- <laughs> uh, are This is going to be a long episode. We are um, we are continuing our All-Star Sport recap. Duh. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're, done. Oh, we're, we're in done. the we're desert done. now. Keep walking, Jesus. Keep walking. Not Jesus, the Jews. Jesus wasn't there yet. Um, <laughs> duh. <laughs> duh. It was just Moses, duh. <laughs> oh, they hate us. They hate us. Okay, go for it. Insufferable. <laughs> uh, obviously, this week we are continuing our recap of All Stars 4 with uh, RuPaul's uh, – RuPaul, wait, I wrote it down. Give, it, give me a sec. RuPaul's best Judy's race. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because it's not RuPaul's best friend race. Oh, God. It took me this long to get that. Yeah, it's RuPaul's best Judy's race. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I th- – I guess I just – I don't know what I thought it was going to be called. But um, this is like Lollapura Pul- – exactly. Oh, right. Rupalalooza. So many um, titles. Lupala and Lazone. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lupala Lazone. <laughs> Patty uh, Lapone. So, <laughs> so this episode this episode features uh, one of your favorite episodes, uh, The Makeover Challenge. Um. Yeah, I guess you're – I guess I do. I have – I've been enjoying the makeover challenges in the more recent seasons. Obviously, I love the one from season nine with Sarge. Yeah. Um, the season 10 one, that was, but they brought Queens back, right? Season 10? They brought Queens back? No, no, they brought social media stars. Yes, yes. It was like and Tyler was, Oakley and Kingsley. Yeah. That's right. And like All Stars 2, they brought in the family members and All Stars 3. Who were the makeovers? There was in- no makeover challenge in Oh, the that's All-Stars right. 3. And that would have been such an interesting season to see, like, Trixie do her paint on somebody. You know? Right, right, yeah. Um, um, I, I I have to say, we got an e- uh, a great email from um, a, a, a listener who calls themselves Miss Vanjie. It's not, mm. it's not Miss Vanjie. It's not Miss Vanjie, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not Vanessa. Yeah. Um, but uh, RuPaul loves, it's, like, clear that RuPaul loves these makeover challenges because uh, his gospel repeats this idea that drag exposes part of ourselves that we're afraid to let out like he constantly refers back to this idea and i think that's also why drag you was such a pet project for him yeah 
because it was so important to show that journey that people go through once they get into the dress, you know? Yeah, it seems to be like this. these kind of challenges in drag you are featuring like the element of drag that I think it seems like it excites Rue the most. Right. You know, yeah. like these are the things that he likes to do and see and talk about and explore with drag. Yeah, um, and he can talk about the inner saboteur and he can talk about, you know, being funny and being silly and saying the wrong thing. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, accessing a part of yourself that you are unable to access in quote unquote normal clothes. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially in these later seasons when you have contestants who are game and are excited or not right. dealing with any kind of gender panic. I think yeah, that's what Vanjie was saying in the email. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah that I think that like, um, what's great about that is that we get the the makeovers are not just kind of seeing these people being put into you know tits and tights and paint, but like what they turn into. Like we saw what Michael Manila's husband like who mm. he turned into. Like I think yeah. he just came to life in drag. Yeah, and and that was like I think that was the added element where we weren't just watching like game straight guys like. You struggle through it you know what right, I mean right like um oh the the infamous gremlin uh yes Jocelyn uh, Fox's yeah mm -hmm. yeah the, the the female the one female gremlin the one yeah. female gremlin <laughs> yeah like I feel like a lot of those makeovers were very they're hard to watch they're very man in a dress like it's not an incredible illusion whereas like some of these illusions this week, I was like, these queens need to put a, a tape together. These You would not know if you didn't know that, like, Michael wasn't a contestant. Right, you know what I mean? right. You know, and I'd say the same about uh, Trinity's boo. Uh, same, yeah. Where you're like, oh, you could have been on season 10 and gone home third, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. But, you know, everyone in the in the Meet the Queens video would have been like, oh, my God, why? She's so yeah, fishy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or, you know, you had to figure out if it was a lobster or, mm -hmm. you know, if who, oh. won, who who fought in the French and Indian War. So all those important skills you need to know <laughs> in drag. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, the episode opens up with Valentina going home. Um. <clears throat> obviously, you know, they, they talk about her French vanilla fantasy and they kind of like are laughing at her message. Um. Did you happen to hear the interview on Review with a Jew? Uh, no, I meant to watch that because I know Valentina like spilled the tea and like stuff that like they weren't able. Oh, to do. it's great! It's great. I'll fill you in. She is yeah. so sweet and so cute. It's it's so interesting that when you finally get to see these girls not on the show, mm -hmm. it, you're like, oh right, it's a character in a character in a character. You know, yep. it's, it's fabulous. It's so, like a Russian nesting doll. Yeah, exactly. It's a Sasha Valor nesting doll. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so she, so in in it, she talks about the other version of Club ninety six that she proposed to Rue, mm -hmm. um, and it was that you know they had this you know bougie club, and then at the strike of midnight, it turns into this like nasty pig club where people like start fucking. Oh, I love that. Right, I love that uh. too. And so you know, obviously Rue during the walkthrough, which we didn't see, Rue was like, "Well, you can't do that." Right. Were they, would they like reverse the 96 to 69? Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Um, I mean, I love and I feel like there's ways that could have been done to bring in just enough kink and fetish, you know, without upsetting VH1. Like, I think 
there's a way that could have worked. But there's I think a way you, it could have worked, but I doubt that they had the time and finesse possibly yeah, to do yeah. it. You know, I don't think this is on RuPaul. I, I think it's just on our TV and our culture, this idea of censorship. Um, and put a pin in the word censorship when it comes to Rent Live. But um, also mm. uh, the idea of just gay representation on TV there's something a part of me that like, do we really want to let out the secret that we're having really hot public sex weekly, sometimes nightly? Like part of me yeah. is like, well, that's ours. Like, let's keep that as deviant as possible. You know, I hear what you're saying. I think, you know, it's, it's funny you mention that because I feel like there've been obviously a, a couple examples recently where it's, it feels like I, like I agree with you in general. I kind of like keeping it to ourselves, but I also am finding that there's nowhere to, you have to kind of there's nowhere to go like like i guess what i'm trying to say is like the tumblr porn ban for example granted that wasn't just a queer thing that was across the board but it all kind of uh it's spilling over into the gay apps there's now new guidelines on scruff and grinder about like what kind of pictures you can show you know like they don't allow nudity on these apps but you can't show um at one point they almost were banning like any pictures showing you being affectionate but now they've they've backed off on that, but like jock straps, bathing suits, things like that, um, because of app store guidelines, because the app stores will kick them out. And so, like, I agree with you. Like, can't we have our own thing? But it's like, I remember being on Manhunt, you know, on desktop back in the day, and it's like someone's main picture is just their big smile and asshole. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But now it's like the same activities, the same kind of mating ritual has to conform to like these regulations and mm. it's like i i i want to i mean there are obviously lots of sex sites that you know aren't don't have apps or that aren't in the app store and you can post whatever you want but i think i would rather kind of to your point i'd rather be able to have these apps and have these pictures be whatever we want them to be agreed yes and when gay people are put on a large platform like VH1, where uh, a few of my straight friends now watch the show, it's like, I don't, you know, it's not that I'm, that, that I feel like there's any shame. It's also like, yeah, that's my culture that I'm not really ready to give up yet. You know, we have yeah. really hot public sex. You know? Sure. Or just like, you know, the idea of like, if, if they were going to have a club that was going to feature certain you know, kinks or piggy stuff or raunch or whatever. Like, I don't want to have to explain it to anybody. You right. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. 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 I think that's, I think like, that's even really worse. my point. I think that's probably yeah. a better point than what I'm making is this idea that, like, we have to put it on and then we'd have to defend it. And that's, right. I, I don't want to have to walk walk my straight friends through that. Right, right. And I, I just think that, like, equally, like, if you are a straight person or someone who mostly takes in mainstream, granted, you could say this is also now mainstream, but mostly takes in non-queer content, if you're going to, you know, row on over to check out RuPaul's Drag Race, then, like, we don't have to follow your customs. Like, you don't get to come here and question something that, like, right. you've arrived at, you yes, know? Yes, yes. Uh, like, let this be an opportunity to learn about it. Because, right. I mean— I think there's a lot of straight people out there that would love to learn about what kind of kinky, raunchy shit they could be getting up to. I agreed. I, there's no question in my mind about that. But I also know that, you know, my friend's four-year-old daughter also watches Drag Race and cried yeah. when Farrah went home. You know, it's like, okay. Um, I, yeah, and that, I mean, I feel like, mm, I mean, 
that's that's their decision. Uh, yes. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. I don't want to have to defend that or Drag Race to my friend who had to explain it to their four-year-old daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I obviously like. Yep. Just explain it to them because you're letting them watch it. But uh, it won't take long. Um, but right. It's not that crazy. And yeah. if you start, I mean, obviously, like. And also, it's like context, like how much kids. I mean, if you're gonna let your kid watch RuPaul's Drag Race, then that's on you, Mama, and you're gonna have to take on whatever that yeah. show is presenting for a much larger, o- older audience. You know? Yeah. And I know that there are people that at VH1, at least, and World of Wonder, that are like, "Yeah, we're gonna avoid all of that. We're gonna keep sure. this a family-friendly-ish." show you know it keeps the advertisers happy certainly yes exactly so mm-hmm. uh you know half ha, teach a man to fish and there's no iron team half yeah. half a dozen one or the other um exactly I, i'm just kind of like ellen? yeah it's my ellen um i i just feel like okay it would have been great to see valentina's thing uh valentina's idea come to life but at the same time i'm like well I, I think we kind of dodged a bullet there. And Valentina, you couldn't come up with anything else. You shut down is basically yeah. what she said. Once her idea was shut down, she couldn't think of anything else and kind of just like disappeared from the challenge. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I I feel like that's one of the tests of, of this competition is like when you hit a, when you hit a wall or when you get a no, like how do you respond to that? And that's yeah. one of those it's kind of like how they talk about on Dracula. Like these are skills that you need to apply to your career. Like you are going to have ideas get shut down all the time mm. for one reason or the other. The venue can't handle it. Uh, people aren't interested in it, whatever. And you have to be able to pivot. Like if you want to be successful. Right. So, I mean, this, that's a, it's a great skill to learn. Um, and you can learn it by failing at it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you get a chance to see rent live? I did not. I, I had considered, I was listening to Nick and Amanda talking about it and I was like, maybe I could just like listen to the soundtrack just to like have some sense of things. And Wait, I think the soundtrack or the cast album? I mean, girl, like I need to, to listen to rent. Like this oh, is how much I, I, okay. I guess what I'm saying is I, I have not thought that's like deeply into the nuances um, because I haven't listened to any of it. So either or, oh, okay. um, but I, then I think Nick or Amanda had said, that like if if you don't know the story, then like just listening to the soundtrack, you have no idea what's going on. Often, often, okay. yeah, often. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question to you and the Mary is listening, and this is a big statement. If I want to get more fluent in Rent, um, so I can understand what everyone was talking about two weeks ago, because um, better late than never. What is the best way to enter Rent? I don't know, Mary. I I can't tell you that. Um, I feel like if you're not into rent, you're never going to be into rent. There are just people that just like it's it's like nails on a chalkboard. They're just like, this is terrible. This is bad. Um, I will say watch a live version of it. And the the one that's out there is the final performance that they had with Adam Cantor as uh, Mark Cohen that they filmed and it's like DVD. Uh, It's on DVD. So you can watch the actual stage version, much like the Into the Woods uh, version that they had on PBS. Uh, It's like that. But uh, watch that version. Watch a staged version. Don't watch the movie because it's lip synced. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, definitely don't watch Rent Live because it's not... It's, yeah. it's censored that was like another right. part of it like it was highly censored um and you know it's like nick and amanda said like it was just weird that you're listening to tango maureen and then all of a sudden it's like it's weird it's weird very weird 
you know, instead of fucking weird, I think they said oh. um, uh, stupid weird. Like it was I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, weird. Um, it's, it's fucking it's, weird. It's fucking weird. <laughs> Duh. Um, but you know what? I All I have to say is this. The worst part of Rent Live was the audience because the audience was like cheering and screaming. And I was like, this is way too much for me. Like I, I just wasn't into that. Um, yeah. I thought it was fine. I thought the performances were fine. Um, it was a dress rehearsal because Roger broke his foot the week before. Um, mm-hmm. And I, but I have to say like, because I grew up with it because it was like a big part of my coming out story. Um, I'm, I was still a hot mess throughout sure. most of most of it like the the song that was the best was I'll cover you reprise i mean it was absolutely gorgeous um and so i don't know there obviously there were great performances there were not so great performances valentina looked gorgeous um yeah. and and it was it was fine uh i just don't think for me looking back on it i'm like you know what i'm i'm glad that i experienced the original but I'm glad that it was on TV telling, you know, a queer story uh, in that sense. Yeah. There were gay people kissing on TV. Like, I'm always a fan of that. Right. You try to kind of find the the pearls, you know, you, you find the, what is it, the, the truffles in the mud. Yeah, you know? right, right. Like a pig. Uh, yeah. Like a pig. Like a pig, <laughs> Valentina. All right. Well, Club 69. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're 30 minutes in. I think we can move on from some of these, uh, as Squirrel Friends would call it, bidness. It's um, bidness. Yeah. So... Uh, the the queens they kind of go through each of their track records. Um, I took notes. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why did you as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. I I so rarely take notes on the track record, so I was like, okay, let's break it down. Right. Um. So I uh, and I'm I'm referring to the Wikipedia chart because I just did not need to do the math on my own, but. I'm basing this now after this episode with Manila. Oh, that's going to fuck me up. That's going to fuck me up. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, whatever. We can always go back. Um, So basically, Manila, uh, up to the point of her elimination, she had three wins, no bottoms, three safes, and one low. Manila's out. So who's left? We've got Monet. She's got three wins, two bottoms, one low, and three safes. Trinity's got three wins as well. She's only got one bottom, and she's got four saves. I have Monet only having one bottom. Um, I think that she had... And even in the episode, she said one bottom. Oh, I don't know why I have two bottoms. I, I feel like... Well, two bottoms are always better than one, Colin. There's no problem with two bottoms, right? <laughs> if you're the I, top, it's always right? better to have two bottoms. <laughs> yeah, it's like playing whack-a-mole, you know? You go to that one, go to that one, go to that one, go to that one. I got it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, in any event, I don't remember. I don't want to go back and check. So, Monique has two wins. She has one, maybe two bottoms, if you count her being in the bottom four for the roast. And yep. she has four safes. Okay. Latrice has two wins. She has one elimination. She has one bottom. She has two safes and one low. And Naomi has one win, two bottoms, four highs, which is interesting. I think that's very t- – or no, sorry, three highs, excuse me. Uh, and two safes. She's the only queen, according to the Wikipedia chart, who has highs but not tops. Mm-hmm. Okay. And isn't just safe. Right, um, right. So from my math, the way I kind of see it, if you just go on report card and track record, um, doing the math and all of that, to me, front runners in order are 
Trinity, Monet, Monique, Naomi, Latrice. Yes. Um, I like uh, Morgan McMichael's way of explaining this a lot more. Doing all of the math is way too complicated. Just send home who your biggest competition is. Easy. Done. It's just so much easier to think about it. Now, that is... Well, a- I'm sorry to have wasted your time. Well, that's... it's. <laughs> It's also the second time they brought up Manila's track record. If we're thinking about like Easter eggs, um, anybody can go home next. Kind of like setting the audience up, you know, with an act one gun like, well, anybody could go. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Playing fair versus playing to win. This is uh, the the ideas of Survivor certainly come into play here. Um, When when contestants on Survivor send home the best player, it's considered a badass move. And yeah. nobody is like hating on them. They're like, all right, well, you got rid of the best player. You don't want to be the best player on Survivor because it puts a big target on your back. So if I, you know, if you're if if the game of All Stars changes in the future because of this cutthroat style of playing, you might not want to do well all the time in the challenges. You might want to just be safe so that you don't have a big target on your back. Well, I think these were kind of all of the dynamics that were kind of intended for All-Stars 2 and All-Stars yes, 3. Yes, you're right. And they weren't because everyone was doing the math and they were doing report cards. Well, and they were and maybe, afraid of the fan base. Let's just yeah. call a spade a spade. Like, they were afraid maybe, of the fan base. And maybe Alaska would eliminate someone for a rhinestone tank top or keep someone for a rhinestone tank top. But, like, in general, yeah, people were being mindful of, like, how this is going to get received. And, I mean, I think... Naomi's choice this week just to kind of jump the boom boom gun and go to that that moment um for a couple of reasons the more I thought about it I was like well from the Morgan McMichael's standpoint yeah she's the strongest competition she was the one who was probably gonna win yeah get her out of there and if you were just basing it on how on this challenge Manila was the clear bottom yeah she was so I mean like certainly when it came down to Latrice and Manila I mean it's like yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I think that's a hard decision, but I think at that point in the game, they especially Naomi knew that like she had no chance against Manila. Yeah. And- I mean, I'm going to push back just a little bit. There are arguments to say that Latrice didn't do as well as Manila, but we can get there when we get to there to discuss that nuance. But I thought um I don't know. I thought it was it was a really smart move by Naomi in the long run in the sense that, yeah, mm-hmm. she's eliminating competition. It's also very memorable, okay? Mm-hmm. It's savage. It's cutthroat. It changes the game. <clears throat> There's logic to it. And if I may, it's notorious. <laughs> B-I-G. Oh, oh, of course. Oh, of, oh there it is. There it is. Uh, uh, it took too long. It wasn't yeah, a good joke. It wasn't I, a good uh, joke. Yeah, I, I, had, I had faith that you would get there. <laughs> Faith Evans. Faith so. Evans. Okay. Yeah. I like it when you call me Big Papa, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to for you to pock that that pun. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> terrible. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Duh. Um. All right, Mary. Um. Uh, so, all right, Mary. So okay. So moving on. Um. 
we find out the challenge. I, I did love that nuance. I think we were both kind of joking about it when Monet is like, oh, it's going to be about Judy Garland. And then Trinity's like, I mean, obviously, Judy Garland. Right. Like at this point, dude. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, I I was obviously thrilled to see all of the Judy. I love that print of, of Dorothy and the poppies. Yes. I kind of think I need to get that. Like, yeah, It's just great. Um. And so I was also impressed by, like, some of the, like, obscure references that Rue had packed into the video message. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, whenever they make, like, a Wizard of Oz reference about Judy, it's like, okay, well, duh. Right. Um, But, like, throwing it, I could go on singing reference. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, okay, Rue. Yeah. You know? No, Rue got it. Or Rue's writers got it. Um, Mm -hmm. I I love when she says, hey, all stars. And then Trinity, did you catch this? She goes, hey, mom. No, I did not. Hey, mom. It was, it was the same mood as in Mommy Dearest when Christina goes, hi, daddy. When she goes oh, to meet him yeah. in the pool. <laughs> oh, oh. oh hey, mom. <laughs> hey, mom. Uh, the note I took was that like Rue is showing up in his pajamas, not pajamas. Oh, pajamas. These are, pa- these are pajamas with a Y. Yes. Uh, they look super comfortable. This suit looks super comfortable, but it is giving me like... I'm just I'm I'm going to bed early realness. <laughs> Did you notice uh, when they called out the best Judy's uh, that this is I, I don't know if this was in response to season 10 or whatever, but like all of them were crossed racial lines. Um, I I didn't I mean, I had noticed that in that, like I know in certain ways, but I hadn't kind of put it together as like an intentional thing. Um but yeah, I mean, do you think that's what do you think that's about? I think I don't know. To me, that seems very deliberate because of mm-hmm. what happened on season ten, and there was, you know, some buffoonery with Eureka and oh right with Aquarius and the idea that like Kingsley would be harder because yes. he was black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe because I guess it's kind of like they don't seem like random choices. I guess. I mean, you say best Judy, and it's like two of them are their husbands. It's like, yeah. I mean, not that they can't be your best. Your it'd be the ideal in my mind is that your husband, your boyfriend's your best Judy. But like, to your point, maybe there is some element of like who they chose. I do think that it was really great that all of the Judys were attractive. I mean, did you notice like all of them were like really, really hot? <laughs> yeah, you were you were feeling Tim the truck driver. Oh, were- completely. Yeah, I thought so. You know, they were. They were all like, so, I mean, there was, let's see, there was Dan. No, who was the first one? It was. Um, uh, Ricardo. Ricardo. No, Ricardo was super cute. Ugh. And then, and then Danny. Danny. Oh, my God. I followed him on bones. Instagram. He is. Wow. He is very, very cute. And he's got gorgeous eyes. I loved how Trinity was like, everybody's so hairy. <laughs> oh, my God. So this week, of course, we have Best Supporting Actress nominees. <laughs> As usual. And so you have brought up our first Best Supporting Actress okay, nominee. Okay, okay. Hey, Mom. It is, it is – that, that was a Golden Globe nominee. But it was when Trinity says – when she does that, like, beard scrunching gesture and goes, everybody's so hairy. It's just there's something about that that I was like, you're a nominee. Uh, I just – I put a little ribbon on that pig. I love so, – uh, I, I love that. I love when she said everybody's so hairy. I also loved yeah. um, when – 
John Polly's Irish cousin comes out. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Producer um, John Polly. Uh, Patty looks so much like John Polly. And he was giving like John Polly energy. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, you're t- you're TV girl. You're yeah. ready for this. You yeah. were practicing with Bob. Yeah. Right. right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Patty was great TV. I mean, honestly, all of these like best like seeing their best Judy's again moments like they got me, gal. They I got you. I. Oh, my God. Because I just. What it reminds me of is one of my favorite Project Runway moments is in season eight, which is the Mondo season. Oh, the best um, season. And Gretchen and, oh my God, and, and oh, what's her name? Oh, there's the one that I love. I can't think of her name now. Well, I must not love her that much. I'm, but, I'm um, re-watching Anya Anyang Chi's uh, season right now. Oh, I think that's that's seven nine no it's nine later. that's nine it's later, yeah. yeah uh but in season eight which is obviously like an crazy such a good season um somewhere around this point when there's like the top six top seven they have their family members come uh to like do a design a challenge like do a design challenge for them and it is it, it is an incredible like sequence of television everyone is so tired and they just are crying and like like the one like Gretchen who is kind of like the the one Ugh. everybody kind of hates Gretchen. I think her mom shows up and Gretchen is just open mouth sobbing when she sees her mother it's like perfect it's so good Barry's who've seen Project Runway season eight <laughs> the family's episode it's just like this it's so good Ugh, anyway fabulous um uh, we get tim latrice's judy we get leo trinity's boyfriend it's interesting how she like she recoiled when she said it's my boyfriend like boyfriend it was, it was like she had never called him her boyfriend before <laughs> yeah yeah it was like oh i've never had to say this out loud before yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then and then we get beautiful michael oh my oh. god and and what a Michael oh. was such a goose this episode. He was he, a goose. Yeah. He was he he um spoiler alert, he is a best supporting actress nominee this week. Well, I made uh, the only gif I made from this week it features Michael. All right. So we're going to yeah, uh, Michael, <laughs> we'll congratulations Michael. We'll get there. Um yeah. do you do they know the sizes of the other outfits? Like how did planning coming into this challenge work? Oh, I see what you're saying is like if they didn't know who the guests were going to be, how did they? I mean, like because Trinity is just like, okay, we're wearing this and she just pulls it. Yeah, sure. I mean, Monet does the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that would be I hopefully Monet expose gets into it of like, I think they knew. Yeah, I mean, they I mean, obviously, even if they knew, like, I feel like the emotions are real to just like finally see your friends. Yeah, they're just not surprised, but they're like, yay, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I mean, who knows? That would. That's because I don't. I always think about this when they have like family members on. Like, how does that get arranged? Um, like, what's the process for that? You know. Right. So that would be my big question to anyone who knows or any queens who can fill us in. Um, how do they do this? How how much of a goop is it? Yeah. Because normally, at least in past seasons, like they're fucking sewing. They're like making a garment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. We we definitely don't see all of the work that has to go into like making these looks, but maybe that's just because there was so much other content they wanted to show. Right, right, right. Uh, What do you have next? Um, I, well, I guess kind of to your point about like the sort of interracial friendships, I did notice that like Monique and Monet both had like a little white mustachioed best friend. (laughs) And I, I felt like it was a 2019 version of big business when they like meet each other. And it's like, 
I just, I was like, this is what I want to see. Is this like, you know, big business where they're just like total opposites <laughs> and drag queens. Yeah. No, I thought, uh, yeah, I love the energy in, in the room. I, uh, we also get full RuPaul walkthroughs, which again, to Miss Vanjie's point, like uh, Miss Vanjie being our Mary that wrote in. Um, right. Ru- RuPaul loves these challenges. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's no surprise that this is the walkthrough that we see, one of the few that we see this season, because, like, yeah, this is where she gets to use all those lines. She gets to say right. all the things she likes to say. Right. The only thing she didn't get to say is, like, I love music. I love colors. I love to dance. <laughs> yeah, play with all the colors in the crayon box. Play with box. all the colors in the crayon box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Um, um, or so, no, when she says, um, and we would do this gender fuck drag, which was like combat boots and smeared yeah. lipstick <laughs> with the elbow across and smeared, smeared lipstick. lipstick. It's yeah. always, you could do a super cut. I think they did this to Lady Gaga at like the Golden Globes. You could do a super cut of RuPaul doing the arm across the lips, smeared lipstick. <laughs> combat boots and smeared lipstick. Yeah, yeah, um, like gender fuck drag. Yeah. Yeah, it's always Skag drag. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Danny and Monique again. I love Danny. Um, Monique. Oh, and I. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say to to what you just said. I, I like the talking head of Monique talking about him, and then what the way she says. And I love him. And she like says it quietly and clo- like puts her eyes down. Oh. He's been through me with me, or he's been with me through so much, and I love him. I it love was him. so downward inflection, and Monique doesn't do downward inflection. That's true. That's true. You know? This was like a real thing. Um, yeah. We get uh, Monique uses a term that I. That I think it was Cracker who used it. Um, this term, tender moments, mm-hmm. and it's something I guess contestants strive for with RuPaul because it's a good sign. It's a good thing. It's positive. It's like a real thing that gets captured on captured on camera. You want to have a tender moment with RuPaul because all the other moments with RuPaul are not tender. Um, mm-hmm. And I just thought it was an interesting addition to drag race lingo when we're talking about things that contestants have to get right. Like if we, if we were ever to make a video game of RuPaul's drag race, one of the things that would be like something to get during a walkthrough is a tender moment. Yeah. I hope that one of them has like the Marge Simpson vacuum from the Simpsons arcade game. Like that would be, that would be what I would use to get a tender, tender moment. moment. I would you just would use... beat the hell out of him with a Eureka. <laughs> no pun oh, intended. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> because she was desperate for a tender moment. Um, oh, oh, so I, um, yeah, no, I, I think it kind of goes to, or it speaks to a sort of templatizing of drag race that starts to happen of like, this is your, this is your redemption moment. This is your, um, you know, this is your comeback. This is your chance to kind of like, uh, prove yourself or to show that you can be funny or that you can be glamorous there's all of these kind of quintessential moments yeah and i feel like um that's kind of what this is like a tender moment is like a quintessential workroom moment Mm. that you know not as a as a genuine organic thing but as something you've seen on the past 10 seasons of drag race right well just how they present it and how it gets there i don't think rupaul walks in being like i'm gonna have a tender moment with monique but you know, if if it happens, you know, where obviously Monique is talking about, you know, uh, helping Danny, helping her gain confidence mm-hmm. after she got eliminated in season 10. And then obviously RuPaul's like, well, you know, you hate being judged. You're angry about being judged on the runway. And then she asks Danny 
you know, what is that about? I, that is a setup for something that's going to be a little bit deeper, which I think is good for mm -hmm. Monique because we haven't seen Monique have a tender moment since season 10. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know if RuPaul necessarily walks in with the intention of having a tender moment, but he walks in with intentions for these conversations. Yes. He's definitely like, and I, I, I think in this moment, I think where he's saying like, you're, you know, what is it that like you're covering up your vulnerability? Mm. Um, in some ways, I wondered if this was just, that was the scripted moment that was supposed to happen in this interaction. And God damn it, Monique, it's going to work. It's going to work with you. And sure. I just don't know if I ever got that impression that Monique covers up her vulnerability. Oh, it's, uh, it's putting a judgment on your vulnerability. Yeah. I, I guess I just, I feel like, I could see on the runway that Monique definitely we've or what they've shown us of her responding to critiques is a defensiveness or is like a she'll she'll kind of clap back a little bit or correct them or whatever. But I mean that to me, I don't think that necessarily correlates with you're judging your vulnerability. I think that's just like not liking being told that you did something wrong. Right. You know That's I mean? like Valentina being like, this doesn't align with my fantasy. Yeah. Like I think it, it's hitting a different nerve. Cause I just, I think of untucked. Yeah. In season 10, we're like, you know, I mean, we got so much vulnerability right. from right. Monique, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, she is sickening. Anyway. Yeah. She's <laughs> sickening. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on. She, he does ask her, you know, what is drag about? What is drag about for you? It's a safe place where Kevin gets to be loved and appreciated for who he is. Uh, I again, these con these are conversations that are really that we've heard before as Drag Race fans and especially mm -hmm. Drag Race podcasters. But uh, the new audiences haven't heard these conversations yet, so it's important mm -hmm. that they're had. Yeah, you know, and it was I. I appreciated a lot of like what, what Rue was saying in the conversation of like by you kind of showing that it's possible to create that space and to create that platform to be loved and appreciated um, or, to, you know, just the, that you have the power to create, like you inspire other people to do the same. I love all of those statements, but I know that like and Michelle has, has done this with Rue on What's the Tea of like, OK, girl, you need to give me a, you need to give me some like literals here you need to get get the get off of the bumper sticker and get behind the wheel of the car right, and tell me right. where we're going how you know? how 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 yeah. give me the how like give me some steps because all that sounds good and feels good to say but like for example like as someone who doesn't do drag i'll use myself for example right i don't do drag what would be a way in which i as someone who you know whatever as i said doesn't do drag can access that same energy that same experience that same sense of like unlocking something how would somebody like me be able to do that you know well i'll tell you i'll tell you and rupaul says it in this episode she says please say the wrong thing and please act like a fool that's how you do it colin that's how you do it <laughs> yeah i mean i again like uh, and and everybody was like i'm so mad about judy garland i'm gonna go riot give me that brick i just i i just don't i Sure. Yeah. I think that that also sounds like good advice, but like with context, right? It's like, gr oh, it's great advice on this television show for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, I mean, wasn't it Candy Ho who said that she was going to untuck, act a fool right. and go crazy? Yeah. Right. So you have to do it with I think I think actually Naomi is probably one of the best queens to give that advice because oh, completely. Because I think that she's so thoughtful about, like, what she's trying to do that, like, she knows how to maintain, like, the, the 
the container of order and like end of she knows how to put something on the runway that still looks thought out while still having a sense of volatility. There's, you know what I mean? There's this great storyline going on with Naomi, how she was just kind of invisible for most of this season. And then after that lip sync against Gia Gunn, just kind of started to emerge and then was in the bottom last week, but did really, really well. And now she's getting advice from RuPaul to say the wrong thing, act like a fool. And then she wins this challenge because she takes a risk. She wins the lip sync because she acts kind of like a fool and then uh-huh. sends fucking Manila home, which is quote unquote the wrong thing. Yep. They are constructing all of this. It would not surprise me at all if like the producers were coaching Naomi through this storyline. Um, but it's it's just so interesting because Naomi was shaking when she was talking to RuPaul. Yeah. So in, in that yeah. sense, like it it didn't seem like a forced kind of walk through here right why are you shaking well i'm always shaking what are you afraid might happen i'm afraid of saying the wrong thing or looking like a fool in front of a person i looked up to so much right and then rupaul just kind of goes with it it worked out so well yeah i didn't feel that this conversation was contrived i do think that um yeah because i could tell that naomi was nervous before rue even pointed it out so when he said it i was like, okay good like someone acknowledged this like and i I give a lot of credit to Naomi that she was able to like be vulnerable and say, yeah. I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing in front of you. Like right. that's, that's pretty bold. And so, uh, I don't know. I mean, I knew that, I don't know. I feel like this week, like confirmed what I was just like waiting for Naomi to do. Like she was always doing great, but, and you could always get the sense that she was not only was she a smart queen, but that she could take direction and she could like pivot and she could take risks. But I feel like it all just like really took off this week. Right. Uh, good, good for her, right? Good yeah. for her. Yeah. She's, oof. I mean, there's so many, she's getting so much hate right now. And like, it, it, I, how can it even touch her? She's, she, she was literally at the top last week. I, who was it? Oh man. Nina Monina Brown posted this great post. Like, oh my God, all of you were slaying for Naomi last week when she did the backbend. And now this week she sends Manila home and you're like, fuck Naomi. Like, right. You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. The fans yeah. are crazy. It really? I mean, I feel like, you know, and I've had this conversation with other people and you and I have talked about this, but, you know, I I have not done my cross-referencing to a lot of other fandoms, but this, I I would love to like really, maybe not here, obviously, but like really have a deep dive discussion into like what are the nuances of this fandom and why is it happen and why do people respond like this and like what what is this really showing us you know what i mean because like obviously this isn't just about drag race it's not just about a tv show it's not just about queens you know putting looks together and like trying to win a hundred thousand dollars like this is obviously hitting a deeper nerve to yeah. react so strongly right right and i think it would just be really interesting to really dig into that and really figure out what else this is telling us about people. Yeah, I mean, we've we've started to obviously the 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 easiest answer is that they're queer people rooting for their people that they see in themselves, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and that because it has to do with a queer identity, 
Um, and sometimes other in- intersectionality things that come into play, uh, if, if Valentina being a perfect example of that, right? Queer and Mexican. Like there's, there's a, a huge investment here. Like it represents, mm-hmm. that person represents something uh, much bigger than just, you know, survivor contestants on Survivor. Um, I know that uh, we were talking with Sister Mary Stephen about tennis fans and how tennis players often get death threats and are, are abused by fans on social media. Um, I think that's that might be a little different because money and betting comes into play. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But still, there are... The, sports is filled with hate and death threats. Oh, my God. I mean, when I hear stories about just like the... I mean, as an American, I'm going to call it soccer, but, you know, just like the whole football world in Europe. Right. I mean, the 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 violence, the, the level of like, uh, you know, just aggression and just like hatred between different, you know, teams or, you know, different people who who, you know, go for different teams. It's. It makes all of whatever happens on Drag Race and in the fandom pale in comparison. Right. And I think there's a lot of other elements that inform that. Right. Um, right. I mean, have I you ever only- been to a, a a Devil's Rangers game? Like it's it's violent and rowdy in the stands. Yeah. I mean, and again, that might be the connection here. Is it like you know, th- there's something whether you're a a deeply passionate drag race fan or a deeply passionate devils fan. Like there's some human thing in there. There's something that drives people to the point of like, like profound hatred fanatic. Right. I think that's the word like fanatics are, it's great to use that word. Like, Oh, I'm a fanatic, but you know what? Like that's actually, it's actually not healthy. Right. Yeah. Like I think you have to be able to see the larger picture and it just, I don't know. I just think, I think it's all obviously the idea of people being fanatics is not new and people no. have stalkers. Oh, like for all of sure. this is Yeah. Monica Sellis got stabbed by a Steffi Graf fanatic. Like sorry yeah. for for another tennis reference, but like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I think, you know, looking at the specifics of drag race, I think uh yeah, you can just you can tie it to certain queer nuances and I think uh I you know I almost want to figure out where the connections are with the Velvet Rage like what is where does the Velvet Rage and the Drag Race fandom rage connect things yeah. like that yeah you know? yeah I used to think it was age but it's not I mean it's, no it's, it's no. all types of bitchy queens that are forty five and bitchy queens that are eighteen and sixteen you know it's yep yeah. and like super compassionate teenagers you right. know like there's so it it just age is not there's so many other factors now totally. you know totally. Um, moving on, uh, if you're if you're good, yeah, yeah, let's um, uh, let's sissy on over to the ruse visit with Trinity. And this- oh, oh, so I, yeah, we we can we can go through all of them. I didn't have the only I other mean, I only one have, that like, I had. Note, oh, okay, yeah. go for it, go for it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I was say I don't have like lots of notes on these these meetings, but I think we would be remiss as all right, Mary, to not give airtime to there's a sissy who lives in every man that walks this earth. Find that sissy, you know? And and you know what there, I think there's so, I think that is absolutely true. I think it's absolutely true that there's a sissy in every single man for sure. Yeah. Like rewatching it for some reason, like my reaction to it was like, the way I pictured it in my head was for some reason reminiscent of Alyssa in season five when she was writing her stand up jokes where she was just like, Oh, oh I mean, like I had, it was the same response. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, oh. like it just felt so like, 
I was just so like uh, taken by this like perfect Maryish quote. You yeah, know? yeah, um, yeah. And like I think we've talked about this in the past of like reclaiming sissy, you know, and yeah. the same way that we kind of not we, but like I think all right, Mary celebrates a term that people could be used disparagingly, you know, right. and like Mary. reclaiming Mary, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. in our own little way. Reclaiming so my I, sissy. Yeah. Yes. I'm reclaiming my sissy. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Uh, I thought that, that whole interaction with Trinity and Leo was uh, really cute. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. putting her lover in a drag. She doesn't know what's going to happen. Same with Michael and Manila. It was the same kind of energy, right? You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, I mean, the notes I took on Michael Manila was just they were, they just seemed like a very sweet couple. Uh, and in terms of Rue with Monet, I just love the way that, like, Rue talks to Monet. Like, she's like the chatty neighbor on the stoop. Yeah, she's oh, like, totally. Oh, oh yeah. I see. Like, it's so familiar. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, how are you not going to go home this time? Oh, the brows, too? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you better watch out, bitch. Like, it's, yeah, it's, right. and I think it kind of just speaks to, like, how disarming Monet is and just totally. how charming she is, totally. you know? Yeah. Oh, completely. That's why she's going to go to the top, Mary. I um, mean, <laughs> she's a front runner. Um, I want to talk about Latrice and Tim. Uh, obviously this was another kind of like Mary moment here. All right, Mary moment where RuPaul gets emotional talking about Dorothy and the poppies. Um, I, I will recommend to any of our Marys that if you haven't listened to our wizard of Oz episode or the, mm. what's the tea episode, the idea of the poppies is incredibly queer. And yeah. it, it's built into many people's experiences, especially with addiction. But there is one that is very queer because so many queer people go through a bout of depression when their paradigm starts to change, right? Because there's there's a, a cognitive dissonance that is really hard to deal with. And so sometimes people are just paralyzed. Um, yeah. and, and this idea of get your ass up, I'm here to remind you of who you are. We need those people. We need the Tin Man. We need the Scarecrow. In whatever it might be, your cat that is that right. It might be your yep. sister. It, there, there's in every single queer person's life, there is that person. Uh, in most, I should say. Um, I also, I just want to bring in another song here uh, that I think is a really, really great queer song that reminds me of the Poppies. Um, you've seen Frozen, Colin, right? Uh, I've seen like the first like ten minutes of it. Okay, so you saw. Do you want to build a snowman? Yeah, I know that one, of course. Yeah. Okay, so that song to me is just as queer as Let It Go. You know the song mm -hmm. Let It Go? Yes. Another of queer anthem, right? But I think Do You Want to Build a Snowman is from the eyes of an ally that is not only related to just queer depression, but also even, you could even relate it to like the HIV uh, and AIDS pandemic. And what was going on in the 80s and early 90s. And I just want to read some lines here. Um, Elsa, please, I know you're in there. People are asking where you've been. They say, have courage. And I'm trying to. I'm right out here for you. Just let me in. We only have each other. It's just you and me. What are we going to do? Do you want to build a snowman? And it's just, it, to me, it... it it just reminds me again of this idea of the poppies of like, here is Anna 
banging down the door like come on let's live life let's get out of this rut let's do this let's open up the gates let's live let's Mm -hmm. be ourselves let's find joy you can't just sit in there I haven't seen you in forever people want to know what's going on with you and I feel like I've said those things to myself and I've said them to other depressed queer friends yeah and I think the key with the poppies like the the other part of that is um what you see in the Wizard of Oz is that you can see Oz in the distance from the poppies. It's right fucking there. It's like, and a lot of times it's like you, you fall into the poppy field, like right outside the goddamn gates because it's like, it got too real. It got too close. It got too big. That's when I sabotage myself is when shit gets too good and too real. And then I'm like, Oh shit, I got to get stoned for this. And then it all falls apart. And so, um, yeah, I, I think the other thing that, you know, and I, we talked about this in the Wizard of Oz episode, but um, I think is I think is an interesting idea that doesn't really tie into this episode, but is another theme in Drag Race that is worth exploring is along with kind of turning to your friends and your allies to help you out of the poppy field, there's also the element of turning to a higher power and like yeah. releasing and saying like, I... I can't do this on my own. I'm yeah, not in Jesus control Jesus, take this. the wheel. Yeah. yeah. And like in, in The Wizard of Oz, Glinda the Good Witch comes and drops the snow. Right. You know, I kind of think in some ways, especially with All-Stars, you kind of got to approach it with like, this competition's out of my control, you know? That's right. Like, I got to right. just, I don't know. There's something, I'm probably stretching it a bit, but I feel like I, in general, that idea of releasing control in, in drag race to have, to do better in the competition. I think some mm. queens try to have such control over everything that's happening that they end up, you know, crushing everything and not just letting things, let, letting the organic come out, you know? Like like Alaska? I think Alaska is is such is so good at this competition that she's kind of an exception. I think of queens like, I think, I go back to like someone like Phoenix in season three in this Queens in Space Challenge who like cannot act and is just like forcing it instead of just like letting this character come Mm. out you know Mm. it's like when queens are in a situation where they're not in their wheelhouse and they don't just kind of let that experience that rupaul talks about of channeling the energy of what you're good at into this so i i hear all of that and i think the only challenge on drag race that doesn't fit that is like a sewing challenge like if you can't Mm -hmm. sew you ha- shit out of luck. Well, you can hot glue. I mean, okay, okay. You know, Benjamin right, Crab made that Golden Girls look look with just hot glue and desperation. Right. Desperation. So, but right. you have to be able to put a look together. You can't Nasha Lopez it. You know. Oh shit! So, <laughs> You're so shady. You know. <laughs> you yeah. can't Derek Barry down the runway. No, you can't. No, you can't. I love when Derek gets called out. It's like, that's a bathing suit with right. a piece of fabric wrapped around your waist. Right. But it's like, here's a hem and there's a hem. It's like, don't give me that hem. <laughs> Hemming and hauling yeah, over exactly. a hem. exactly. All right, Hemmy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mary. All right, Mary. Um, so, uh, oh, okay, oh let, well, just yes, I should ahead, also mention ahead. in this uh, Rue Latrice visit, we have two Best Supporting Actress nominees uh, on the boards. First is when Tim is telling the story about, like, what they've been through, and Latrice is just stoically standing there and welling up and mm. just letting the tears fall. I she just, can. She I can. loved it. Yeah. It, That's bra- fabulous. Fabulous. Tap, tap, fabulous. And yeah, tap, tap, fabulous. I, I mean, RuPaul just merrills her way in with that talking through tears moment. 
Yeah, and you know what? I didn't I didn't not believe it. I do believe that RuPaul can access that energy and those emotions when talking about this subject. Ru because that was easily. very yes, yeah. that was very real to RuPaul mm-hmm. and that I think that experience of her friends helping her out is still very real to RuPaul. Yeah, it's just like when you see a movie and Meryl does like a, a particular like moment, you're like, "Oh, here's Meryl getting an Oscar nomination." Yes, because exactly. she's just so good at this. Yeah. Um by the way, I loved when Tim was like, "And my drag name and 1994 was Alexis and I was like Michelle Michelle yeah <laughs> take a drink no night 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 night, night, night yeah night, night. and I love that <laughs> good night good Alexis. night Alexis good night. like I could hear Latrice saying that <laughs> yeah, it was totally. great <laughs> you know oh, Tim he, was uh, Tim was great he I really enjoyed him this episode he was hit a good Tim energy was, oh Tim was fabulous I just wanted to like Take him out on a date, you know. I was just like, "Girl, this, oh. yeah." He he was like right on my my wavelength, um, and I like this interaction the best between Rue, Latrice, and Tim. I feel like they all kind of understand the same things about the world. Yeah. Whereas whereas with Naomi, it was also a beautiful moment, but there was obviously RuPaul was the mentor, mm-hmm. and with Monique again, RuPaul was the mentor, but. For some reason, with Latrice and Tim, there was this sense of like, you were there and I saw you. Oh, I know exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. Yeah, I think that that Tim and Latrice had been through so much more. And obviously RuPaul has had such a journey that there was that sense of like, okay, like you've you've seen when the road has been dirt and rock, you know, when it's been right. not smooth at all. And like, yeah, even if the experience is different, you know what that's like to kind of like go through hell and keep going. Totally. Um, are you ready to move on? Yeah, I mean, my next note, because we move on to the Elimination Day workroom, uh, mm-hmm. is that we get to see Patty in pigtails, and um, I called him uh, Pippi Brow Blocking. <laughs> <laughs> Pippi Powder, Pippi Powder Pad, what is it? Pippi Powder Brow Blocking, yeah. 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 That's her middle name, Powder, yeah. yeah powder, yeah. 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 Um, um, I, I, I wanted to talk about the one quote here. Um, there's two uh, that they put right next to each other. Naomi saying beards are masks that men hide behind like women hide behind makeup. And then you have uh, Latrice who says, we need those in the world. <laughs> but not so much <laughs> in this competition right now. <laughs> His laugh was so cute. Yeah, no, that was um, really cute. That was a cute moment. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I thought it was interesting that we have like, we need butch people and then Naomi being like, fuck beards. You know, mm-hmm. I, anyway, I didn't know the one note I wrote down is that I don't think that analogy works beards with makeup. I think makeup is so much more than why and where men wear beards. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's an interesting idea. Um, you know, I, I wonder because I unfortunately am not able to like grow like a good beard. So I don't try like I can do a stubble. I can do like a three day growth and then that's it. Like I know my wheelhouse. But I think that if I was able to grow like a full beard, I would and I'd have and I would do the beard drag. I and I would be growing it and wearing it to look like a certain type of gay or to have a certain aesthetic. And so okay. I wonder if my opinion on this idea would be different if I was able to access that kind of drag, you know what I mean? Mm. And so, and I don't wear makeup either. And so I think, I don't necessarily know if I think that 
makeup and beards are kind of being used the same way. But I absolutely think that beards are a form of drag. I mean. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're changing yourself. Yeah. Right? But some people would say that shaving it is is the actual changing yourself because you're actively like women who shave their legs. Uh-huh, it's sure. like, don't shave your legs. That's for, you know, an aesthetic that is constructed. It's like men don't shave your beards. I, there are companies that have a no beard policy, right? Like you can't have a beard because it quote unquote looks dirty. It looks alternative, mm-hmm. you know, and they want that clean shaven Kendall look. Right, right. Right. And so that's why I don't know if this necessarily works for me because beards are actually a resistance in some cases to the clean cut drag that men have to put on. Yeah. They're, they're, beards can be an inaction versus an action. Unless of yes. course you're maintaining the beard, which I, I think is, you know, because if you don't, you can get real scraggly real fast. And I think yeah. if you have like a really nice beard, like I would imagine like you're doing a lot of work to maintain that. And well, just like a haircut, right? Yeah. So like in that sense, you know, putting on getting a haircut is similar to like trimming your beard. But whereas wearing makeup, I, to me, that is a completely different idea. Yeah, I I think it's a you know I would I would love actually you know I would love to talk to a drag queen who also had you know has, has <gasps> facial hair you know oh my god Queen Robert we have to get Queen Robert on oh, oh my, my god, god. Grizzly Kiki queen Robert yeah oh no what? no 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 not oh. Grizzly Kiki Robert um there's don't, a drag queen named Queen Robert oh because don't doesn't Daniel and Robert have some facial hair they don't have facial hair. Mandela effect. I'm. I could swear <laughs> I saw some kind of little goatee situation once. Oh, but, maybe. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, whether it's a, a bearded queen or a queen who, when they're not doing drag regularly, like lets their facial hair grow in and does that kind of like beard drag, that boy drag. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'd love to kind of get that perspective. Yeah. I. I. I mean, I see what again. I want to just make it clear. I see what Naomi is saying, right? People that mm-hmm. put on beards for men, it's like, I'm more mask, right? Yeah, just like yeah. women hide behind makeup. Like, I'm this beautiful. I'm this femme. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I also don't think it works the opposite way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, There is more nuance to a beard than and nuance to makeup. Sure. That is more different in my Yeah. In my opinion. It's kinda like you can't say that Judy Garland directly inspired Stonewall, but she probably didn't de escalate the situation. <laughs> sure. Sure. She didn't she didn't make it easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like sure she added fuel somewhere to that fire. Yeah. Uh any other ideas for the next day drag workroom? Um I took the note that when Naomi says I'm thinking of doing a little boy drag it, it was so reminiscent of milk in season six saying i'm thinking about doing facial hair oh, right, speaking right, of beards right. yeah right. um and i just wanted to say that uh when we first see michael in drag it reminded me of seeing miss cracker's little drag sister yes in drag. yes i mean same moment same energy a yeah. stunning transformation really beautiful like manila yeah. i mean manila may have gone home this week but like let it be known like like not for the makeup ter- in terms of like the the proficiency the technique of drag manila is the top in that room totally she is so good at the art of drag it's it's just uh you know other other quibblings i may have had about her aside like i can see like she is right i I, she's just an incredibly talented person um do you want to talk about the mad max runway uh yes um i mean yes it was i had rue was the interior illusions lounge for drag race jupiter but she was (laughs) 
Also giving me like Mad Max. Yeah. Um, she was giving me uh, like wrinkle in time realness. Yes. Like. <laughs> it was like, and I think I saw a meme somewhere on the Reddit where it was like they had a shot of RuPaul like standing in front of the background at the back of the runway. And they said RuPaul heard that blending into the background worked out this season um, <laughs> or was, you know, would work out in your benefit this season. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I know you won't get this reference, but also like she looked kind of like a sparrow from the faith of the seven on Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, so you don't know I don't. I don't know but... her. Yeah, like <laughs> that was so bad. specific. <laughs> um. Well, it. Yeah. I mean, there's. Sorry. You. If you watched it, you would get it. Michelle also, I thought, looked really cute. Uh, this is probably the best she's looked this season, in my opinion. Oh my god, I love this. My mom used to have that hair, so like it was taking me back to like <laughs> kindergarten. But uh, I loved it. I love this look. I love that aesthetic. Um. Yeah, I love what she's doing with glasses. It's just yeah. like, I love Michelle's drag. It's yeah, just been so great. good lately. <laughs> um, Ellen Pompeo, or Pompeo, uh, yeah. Gaze Anatomy. I, diagnosis sickening, darling. There's something about Ellen Pompeo that I just find so magnetic. She was so lovely this episode, and I came in preparing to not like yeah, her. Yeah, right. To think that like, oh, what is she's you a doing mom. Here? She's a mom, Colin. Yeah, she's no. like somebody that you would play. You know? Oh my god, I can't wait to play Ellen Pompeo in Ellen's Anatomy. I don't know what it's gonna <laughs> be. Yeah, um, Ellen's Anatomy is yeah. the porn parody. Of yeah, the Grey's porn parody Anatomy. of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Starring, starring the preeminent drag impersonator of Ellen Pompeo, me. Or, um, Ellen Pump here. Ellen, yeah, yeah, yeah Pompeo, yeah. Um, yeah, I felt like uh, she had some really insightful critiques, especially Monique, Monique and Shanita. She oh, had yeah. such a great critique. I was like, she saw that. You can come back anytime you want. Yeah, I love her. I yeah. love her. She's Ugh. great. And you know, she and has her interview was great. Her interview was great. Oh, I haven't well. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. Uh, but I'm keen to. Like I she's had some moments on Grey's. I haven't watched in many seasons, but you got to give it to her. Sometimes she would turn it out. Oh. Oh. Colin, I mean, I binge-watched, and I hate that term, but I was very depressed, in 2010, like, the first five seasons, six seasons of Grey's Anatomy, and then was watching it live for a little while. That, Ellen Pompeo, Pompeo is fabulous on that show. Yeah, I feel like she gets, I feel like she doesn't get, like, appreciated as much as no. the other ones do. Well, because you have Sandra Oh, like, oh my yeah. God, Sandra Oh on that show is I know. everything. But she, Ellen Pompeo, she's been on it for so fucking long. She's great. Mm -hmm. She's great. She cries, yeah. talks through tears. She's, oh. It's great. When she talks through tears, my favorite, I'm sure she's done others, but my favorite talking through tears on Grey's is when she has that confrontation with her mother who oh. says that she's ordinary. And then she, she has oh. that thing where her voice gets all, like, throaty um, oh. Oh. with all the this and all of that. So I could be ordinary. Whatever she says, it's <laughs> I fucking love that moment so, so much. So you have to hear her story on what's the tea because you realize how she can access that type of emotion because she talks about her upbringing and the death of her parents. Like, it's, oh, fabulous! Yeah, Colin, oh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's a great yeah. interview. It's second. Yeah. Okay, great. I am I am excited to have a renewed excitement and love for Ellen Pompeo. 
Yeah. Um, and Frances Bean Cobain was uh, super enthusiastic and seemed like she was having a great time. Oh, it's was- just so cute that that famous picture of RuPaul with the screaming baby is now a guest judge on Drag Race. It's amazing. It's, it's so cool. And it's just, I mean, also just like here is the daughter of Kurt Cobain and Courtney right. Love. Like, oh, oh. What yeah. genetics this yes. person has. I want to, I want to, so she has an interview as well, I'm assuming. I'm yes, yes, and she has an album coming out. Yeah. I'm keen to know more about her. Yeah, uh, she talks about how she was raised on a farm because her mother couldn't take care of her anymore. Yeah. Um, how she's been in therapy since she was in, she was like five years old because obviously you couldn't tell a baby like that your father committed suicide. So she was in therapy for a year mm. before her mother told her. Or that was that your mother conspired to kill him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no. I'm kidding. There's it's a no, joke. Okay, okay. It's a reference. It's an old All Right Mary reference. We talked about this years ago. I know Amanda chimed in. I know. It's like. <laughs> Do not write it's me like letters. Judy, it's like Judy Garland starting the Stonewall Exactly. Riots. It's yeah. one of those stories that gets thrown around, and maybe it's true. But yeah, she's <laughs> like. <just> she, <laughs> She had Judy Garland. Judy Garland came back from the grave and said, somewhere over the rainbow, and then smashed a brick through the window. It it was amazing. (laughs) If happy little bluebirds can, then why can't I smash? (laughs) There's no place like home. There's no place like homos. (laughs) Give me my red shoes back. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, man, Dorothy. She really... Thanks, Judy. Thanks for coming back from the dead to uh, Judy, start Stonewall. Judy, Judy. Um, all right, so let's talk about this Judy mashup. Um, so for me, it was hard to tell who did what and how they did because it was so edited, and it seemed like the judges, in retrospect, the judges put some stock into it when judging. And as I was watching it, though, I thought it was one of those like doesn't really count challenges, like the viral video thing from yep. season ten. Um, we didn't even see this rehearsed, and so yeah. I, I guess when I think back on it, the one that is most memorable is Monet and Patty. Otherwise, yeah. everybody else is kind of like, what did they do? But it was so edited. It was so quick. And they all were dressed the same and in some cases painted the same. Like it was so hard to tell the difference. Yeah. And and I also – I felt like ultimately – and I think there was even a critique at one point where like these queens were being judged on their partners. And it's like you can't judge someone who's not a drag queen for not doing perfect drag. Like you can't, right. you can't put so much stock in that variable that like – is impossible and it's like patty clearly has some performance oh completely experience. patty patty outshine monet like it was yeah i don't know if patty. it was makeup or what patty yeah when do i leave um yeah. <laughs> i'm going to be an auntie <laughs> i'm um, going to be on season 12 yeah <laughs> um i i do want to just point out that the person who uh, composed my best Judy uh, is named David Benjamin Steinberg. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the music, like the like extra music for Dancing Queen with Alyssa. Oh, fun! He also composed the theme for Drag Tots. Um, okay. He did the music for the Maplethorpe documentary. He did the music for Mary Fisher or Carrie Fisher's Wishful Thinking. Um, he also did external music for Jamal Sims' When the Beat Drops. Uh, wow! Yeah, he's just and, like the queer composer. Exactly, and like I want to date him. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean uh, Steinberg. That's that's good. 
That's Steinberg. good. Oh, he's yeah, a Steinberg. No, yeah, and he's I working. I love it, Jew. He's working, oh. and he's working. And he's working. And he's working. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, between him and who was who was the other guy, the other musical guy you wanted to fuck? That producer? Uh, any of them? All of them? All of them? Not, Not Lucian, Lucian Piani. Piani. <laughs> no, the, um, the one from the second episode. Oh, uh, yeah, and I forgot his name already. But yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, there was something like very like, I want to have sex with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even uh, Adam Lambert, I wouldn't kick him out. But, uh, um, right. I mean, you know. <laughs> Good, you can have him. Um, yeah, I'll take him. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so this Judy thing, the Judy challenge, to me, I, I, I didn't pay much attention. To me, it was all about the trans- transformation and Same. family resemblance. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I to me the one that transformed the most was Alexis Knight. No, I'm just kidding. It was <laughs> Yeah. It, it was um it was definitely Patty. Uh Patty Cash. I mean, granted Monet didn't do much to that face except like basically blank it all out and then put some blush on, but Yeah. I, I- it it was it was it was an amazing transformation. It's it definitely was. I um, well, let's go through. I mean, that's the last one, but we okay. can start okay, with that Okay, great, one. great, great. Um, so Monet and Patty Cash, um, I nicknamed these Hanukkah Gelt and Marissa LeMay. Um, because Hanukkah Gelt, of course, because it was just like this gold plated gold. with chocolate underneath. Okay. Um, and then I felt like there was a bit of a Marissa Tomei quality, but mostly it rhymed with LeMay. Rhymed with LeMay so I chose oh, that. Oh, okay, but, Marissa LeMay. You know, at first I did not – well, let's say this outright. Patty's makeup was Patty mayonnaise. It was it was yeah. too white. Absolutely, it was, it was it like did, stark white. There was no family resemblance, right? Like that's the other yeah. thing that I was like, well, I think that if Patty had like a more like realistic skin tone, I think if the face looked right, I think it's a great transformation. Yeah, I I think Monet looked great, and at first it was like I don't get what's so good about this. But the more I looked at it, especially like the waist up, I I do really like it. Um, yeah. I am willing to believe because I know like on the pit stop they loved it and like obviously she, the, the judges loved it. So whenever a lot of people like a look that I'm not sure about, it's like, okay, I must be missing something. Right, right. There's something I'm missing. I, To me, if I think back to Monet and Tyler Oakley, right, that was her person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that this was any more similar than her and Tyler Oakley. Uh, so, sorry, Tyler Oakley. You, don't um, think it, you think it's similar to or you don't you think it's very different? I I think the the resemblance was the same amount of non-resemblance or resemblance. You know what I, I mean? I agree. Oh no, I agree completely. I think that yeah, the same indicators of family resemblance were there. Yeah. And I'm yeah. kind of like, all right, so she won this time? I I guess was it just the performance? Was it I it was it was odd. Not that I don't think Monet didn't deserve it because it was an amazing transformation. Um and there was family resemblance there, but it was no more than Tyler Oakley. So Yeah. She it, went yeah. home. Right, exactly, exactly. Like, how could how could they be so similar in some ways, but one send her home and one send her to the top? Exactly. I mean, you know, I love Monet, but um, I didn't think that she was one of the top two looks this week. So, sure, yeah, I I would agree to an extent. I think she was top three, but uh, yeah. she wasn't in the bottom at all. She was no, no, definitely no. safe. But I there were other looks I liked more. That's all. Yeah, um, Latrice and Alexis, I. I don't know. I Alexis's wig was weird. I thought she looked kind of like she had a sack of potatoes in her boobs. Yeah, I, this was like Patty and Selma attend the People's Choice Awards in 1987. Ah, 
fabulous. You know, fabulous. It, it was. I did. I wasn't. I wasn't into it. And yes, I mean Patty. Like, or not. Sorry, Alexis. The or you know Selma. The the proportions were bizarre. Um, <laughs> I feel like the boobs were strange. Like it just. It was. I don't know. It didn't work for me. I kind of felt like this was another Latrice runway where I was like, All guys, right. ugh, like this, yeah. like this is what we're doing. Like what happened to yeah. last week? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And even when they, cl- they kept showing clips of Latrice's performance of the Judy number. And yeah, it was, it was off. Right. It was weird. And I, and I bet it, I would, bet that it was even worse than what we saw like i right. think they edited it to look pretty good because you could tell latrice was definitely focused on just making sure tim was doing a good job and was was having a good time sure which is very sweet but not the challenge yeah um to me the the best look of the night was monique and shanita hart i, I mean this was love this, this was so this was so great it was I so great it. It was, it was so conceptual. Good. They crossed eyes, blink twice if you feet, if your feet hurt. Like that was mm-hmm. that was a great little moment. The pink and black tights, the mm-hmm. the like idea of a lip underneath. They, I, I, it was so good. It, it was, was great. It was very and it was very Monique Hart, which yep. I also loved. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the fact like just the the fun of them like winking the eyes, like just that, and I think that's where. Ellen Pompeo is saying, like, this is so reflective of how good of a partnership you guys have that you, like... Well, I love that she said, like, you see the world the same way, which I thought was a great kind of thing (laughs) to extract from that. It was very sweet. But just that idea that, like, there there was such a fun sense of humor to it, and it was because they both were so in sync. Yeah. And that, to me, read as family resemblance. Beyond the, the looks being identical, the the energy being so, like, as if two sisters who could read each other, like... This was my favorite. This was yeah. like hands down my favorite. Uh, yeah, I'm really surprised this didn't win. Like, yeah. I don't know why this didn't win. Was it just yeah. because of the Judy thing? Like, I just don't know why this didn't win. And again, Monique yeah. is killing this competition. And there are times when she just doesn't get the credit. But it's okay. I agree. I agree. Um, Manila and uh, Aya Wife. Aya Wife. Yeah. So, so I, I thought the face looked great. But this was the laziest drag on the runway, right? She put her in a flowing gown. Um, yeah. How can you access like your femme fantasy uh, when, you know, everything's kind of covered up down there? Right. I mean, I just wrote go fish because this was uh, this was not this was not what I expected from Manila. And I kind of feel like we were seeing a lot of shots of Manila just like hugging Michael and just kind of mm. bonding with him in the workroom. And it's not that she didn't. I mean, she even says that she got distracted. Like, I think I think Michael being there it was almost like it seemed like they were trying to tell the story that Manila lost some of her drive. Yeah, but she had this dress and these looks like for the, the copycat runway, right? Like she, or the, the, the makeover runway. Uh, if we're thinking about queens that came and planned this week's challenge, mm-hmm. this was her idea. She wasn't going to wear the club look and then also the diamond look. No, that's true. I mean, it looked like she was making some of the, the elements of it that like connected them as like suits of cards i don't know how okay i mean she she does a video each week as well called like uh pineapple couture or something so maybe we can get some more deets on that but i mean um, also the only queen of diamonds is Dottie henson well i mean you You know know, i'm just saying of course (laughs) and then here's our other daughter yeah Dottie's sister yeah the, the the joker 
this this <laughs> solid seven over here. Yeah, they should just had her and bought a dog. You know yeah, what I mean? Right? Yeah. Full yeah, house. Here, here's this. Yeah. Here's this four of clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken scraps. All right. Yeah. Uh, Naomi Smalls and Extra Smalls. Okay, so this was brilliant. This was conceptual. A uh, conceptual. This was fabulous. But did it fit the challenge? Um, no, it did not fit the challenge. I think if you're going to suggest that Sonny and I mean, I guess Sonny and Cher are fam. I and mean, I don't, I don't know. I right, like that's why I'm kind of like, huh. I mean, and to be honest, like I kind of like, and this, I this is just my opinion. Do not send me letters. I I feel like I'm being told this was amazing. It was good. The makeup was was great. The looks were solid. I have no critiques. But when she turned around with a mustache on, I was like, hey, Alexis Michelle and the Macho Man lip sync. Sure. Like, this this is not gender fuck. This is like a this is just a stick on mustache. I feel like if she was going to do boy drag, I would have loved to see her push that further. Yeah. I mean, she still needed to have some sort of resemblance. And I like that she she took it further in the sense that she took androgyny in the 70s for men to a higher level like she looked more femme than mask but it didn't matter because she was still playing a man um mm-hmm. quote unquote um i yeah i i thought it was great i i really enjoyed it i thought it was very fresh i thought it was a risk and it could have gone the other way where they were like um this didn't fit the challenge we appreciate that you did two looks but come on girl what was this you mm-hmm. know they could put up- when, when she put on the mustache, they could have cut to that shot that they had of, of RuPaul when Milk came out in the yeah. Blue Ru look. That right. like, and, and it's mm-hmm. great because like the lights kind of flash on her face to make it look like her eyes bulge. It's, <laughs> it's such a great moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just wasn't – I guess it's like you can, you can only go with what your gut response is. Drag's all subjective. I was so excited by Monique, and I didn't feel the same way about uh, – Naomi, you know, I, I liked it. I, I liked it because I also like a share look. But yeah, I appreciated uh, Naomi and ev- not uh, yeah, not Naomi, Monique and Trinity even more. Mm-hmm. And I think if if Naomi was going to do boy drag, I think it would have been really cool to see her kind of play with it, it. Go away from the the Sunny and Cher thing, like whatever she wants to do. But maybe if she didn't do that is to play with like having a bare chest to not having right. boobs like she's done elements of that before. And I think because she doesn't pad so much, it would fit with Naomi's aesthetic to do androgynous, to be more androgynous, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I and think I mean, there was, yeah. And to the credit of like family resemblance, like the first share look that she had, while the wig looked a little, you know, put on. So it was, yeah, it was a top wig. It was yeah. a top wig. Um, it, there was resemblance. Uh, I Absolutely. Also, I mean, she, not for nothing, she darkened her friend's skin. Uh, extra small skin, which I think had it been the other way around would have been a little inappropriate. You know what I mean? So there's this, yeah. I don't know. There's this sense of uh, oddness there. That's like, there's a, I don't know where, where is she supposed to do that? Is it okay to do that when it's drag? Uh, obviously I think it is cause it's, right. it's just, it's about the challenge, but, um, and it's not like playing a stereotype, but there is that, that she, that also helped her with the share, right. uh, resemblance. But yeah, when I went to Bono, it was like, okay, this is like a cherry on top. And maybe mm-hmm. that's, you know, what the judges needed to just like love Naomi or to study Bono. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I think 
this was not one of my top two looks. It, this sure. was also safe for me. Okay. I probably would have put this in the top two just because it was a risk and it was different. Because I, like, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. More than yeah. Trinity's. Because um, Trinity's was like, it was a win for me. It was a real lookalike. They looked like fucking sisters. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was a really great transformation. Yeah, I felt like they were either like Jersey mafiosas or they were like rivals running a department store in Milan, you know, like they felt like these like there was some element of like I was maybe because they were wearing patterns. There was some nuance to the look. There was a sense of like, who are these women? Like they felt there was a specificity to them. Um, I love this. I just thought that was it was such a great. They just did a great job. It was just such a good transformation. This was my other top two with Monique because it was just such a good transformation. And um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no critique against Trinity's husband for not like being able to lip sync. It's like, right. okay. Right. Like you've never done drag before and now you have to be on drag race. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You're, t- you're tucked. You're wearing heels. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, so yeah, so Trinity and Monique are actually safe. Uh, you think that they both should have been in the top. I think Monique definitely should have been in the top. Um, I, I thought that it was great that their prize for Monet and Naomi was to go to Iceland. I was like, okay, girl, that's a great little prize. Yeah, I, I feel like Monet was just like totally, I think she was expecting like, and you get a trip to, you know, uh, you know, Kingston, New York. It's like, oh, wow, the Metro North will take me there. But this is like a real trip. You know, I have to say one moment again, Monet consistently wins my heart. And in this episode, when Michelle puts on that, like, and now we have to talk about your Judy performance. Mm -hmm. And Monet's eyes widen and she's like, what? Like, what the yeah. fuck? And then she's like, I loved it. And then Monet's like, oh, my God. I was like, what? what like, really? Right. <laughs> I And they keep doing that to her and Monique. They just love to <laughs> goop them. They did this to her with her Cheryl, Cheryl Lee Ralph look. Yeah, right, right, right. She was like, you I was going to say, oh, my God, what? <laughs> yeah, they just love to fuck with them. It's so funny. Um, uh, it was a great little moment. I also really loved when it was announced that Latrice and Manila were in the bottom. And then Trinity goes... Best friends. Best friends. Like, I, we know. Best friends. We know. Yeah. Whole episode. Whole Best season. Yeah. Manila never let us forget that Latrice was her friend. We know. Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting because when Manila says it again in the deliberation, uh-huh. she says, Best Judies find themselves in the bottom. It's like she's reading the title of this week's storyline or the latest AV Club article, right? Yep. Yep. And then, you know, I think it was Naomi that goes, oh, yeah, the meta of it all. And Manila... <coughs> Manila mugs and she goes, wow. Like, like they're all in on this joke. Like, yeah, we know that this is the story. Yeah. And like, how could they not? Like, they're all Drag Race fans. They've all been on the show. They all have been doing the season for a few weeks now. Like, they know they have some sense of like, this is all too perfect to be coincidence. And the fact that Latrice's reaction to Manila going home or possibly going home is so vastly different than Manila's. Yeah. Like, to me, it's just like, okay, this is, there was new direction here, right? The Absolutely. queens were given different direction. Manila was given the direction, like, you have to cry and this has to be your best friend. And this week it's like, well, let the cards fall where they may, you know, we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah, no pun, let the cards fall where they may. <laughs> Did you catch that? Okay. I caught that. I got the T and fall where they may. There's no T in that. Uh, no, they. Um, so, um, 
we do have another B, uh, BSA nominee here. Okay. I, I tried to find a nice wide range, but I just love Monet's little like breakdown in the talking head about oh, Latrice. Oh, it's brilliant. But especially if we're going to talk about micro moments, it's that when she says, girl, let me tell you this. She like looks over her shoulder and then she like uh, lowers her glasses. And she, like, she's like, girl, let me tell you this. And then she lowers her glasses. Okay. Like it's, it's <laughs> Monet at her most like perfect narrating, you know? Right. It's, it's right. why Monet was the narrator of season 10. And she did really well. I loved her quote of like, I'm judging a cooking competition. I'm judging you on the flat ass souffle, not the beautiful confection you made last mm-hmm. month. It's like, this is true. This yeah. is all very true. Yeah. Oh my God. It was just like, it was just truth. And obviously Trinity's been saying a lot of this, but it was nice to hear Monet corroborate that like what you're seeing, you're not crazy. Like right, this right. is not, well, this is not good enough. Yeah. I have to take off my glasses to explain it to you. Oh <laughs> my God. It's kind of like when Asia O'Hara had to put a Red Bull down. She's like, no, I'm not done. <laughs> what a great moment. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, when Asia is- had to put a Red Bull down. <laughs> Uh, a memoir. Um, yeah, right. Uh, I love Monique hemming and hawing over Monet's pick when Manila's like, "Who? Well, who did Monet pick?" And she's like, "Ah, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know." And then I think at some point she just says, "The goopery," which the goopery, you know that's where goops yeah. are made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the goop. I mean. I will always take a note of any time Monique finds a way to put goop in a sentence or sure, reuse gooped. Sure. I. Not mad at it. Um, um, I, I thought it was interesting, T, that Manila gives Naomi her mustache. Yes. Right? Like, that was crazy. This whole Naomi storyline of I look up to you, you know, I watched you when I was a kid. Like, since the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, this was a long con the whole fucking t- The whole time? The whole time. I have to go. We have to go. We have to leave. Um, <laughs> I am so, – I, I, when, when that happened, I was like, oh, shit. She's going to send her home. She's going to fucking send her home like Naomi Osaka beat Serena Williams in the U.S. Open final. Like yep. It was just like you send your idol home. That's the storyline. Oh, my God. It was brilliant. Naomi is a ninja star, you know, <laughs> like that is the term. She's a ninja star. Ninja star. Uh, and, yeah, no, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, I it was, uh, I, I think that little goop of, uh, the fact that she gave her the mustache and like all of the times we've seen them work together in the past and Naomi look up to her. I mean, that is the goopery. Th- that is that is an amazing long con that I did not see coming. No, at did all. not see it coming. No yeah. way. Um, yeah. Also, you know, I thought it was cool and interesting and kind of shitty at the same time uh, that Monet wanted Manila to like beg and apologize. <laughs> Oh, you know, it was so petty. (laughs) It was, I loved it. It was so like, you know, I felt like that was, that was such a hint, you know, of like what, like what was about to happen where drag race will give you those hints of like, if you're not vulnerable, watch out Monique Hart. If you're not humble, like there's little like social mores that you have to follow to win drag race. And if it, it is a pageant, you know, and I feel like I got what Monet was saying. It's like, you don't feel like you need to plead your case at all. Like, you really think you got it that easy? You know, I, I don't know if you could tell from the preview for next week, but like Monet chooses Manila. Oh, there's no question that she chooses Manila. Because yeah. you can see the lipstick sitting on the little uh, the <laughs> right. little ottoman in front of right. them. Um I, also I do. Just, I do think. Oh, go ahead. Go. To, go. Oh, it, this is just a quick. This is just a quick aside for best supporting actress. Um, 
but Tim crying behind that wig until he treats his shoulder. Oh, yeah. 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 That was a sweet moment. That's right. the Best Supporting Actress nominee. Yeah. Great nominee. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, oh, I was just going to say that if I were to put anything in a time capsule for All Stars 4, like just this season, it would be the lipstick that says Manila's name on it. I mean, this was like right, right up there with like the Adrenaline song or Naomi's outfit during Adrenaline. Like this and Manila's lipstick like need to go as things to remember about this season. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, if there was, like, a time capsule, maybe just for Drag Race in general, like, what would I put in there? Um, I think I would want a different time capsule for each season because, like, yeah, it would take me a very long time to, like, decide which 10 things go into an entire Drag Race time capsule. But for All-Stars 4, Manila's lipstick, Naomi's adrenaline outfit, Gia's kabuki umbrella, maybe. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, the brown cow stunning look. Uh, I'd probably put in like an eight by ten of Shauna Brooks just in ah, case. <laughs> you know? yes, there it is. Barry, or I'd probably throw is. in a spacesuit and taste things had to go there in case we had to go there. Oh sure, um, sure, sure. I would or, put in the uh, I'd put uh, in the paper bag if you need to breathe into it. Oh right, right. Or yeah. um, Laganja's like uh, macrame hat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah or, or Jiggly Caliente's tits from the oh, rock the, yes. the the boat challenge. Yeah, where are my tits? Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, I would also probably put in Jujubee's eyelash that she cried Oh, off. that's a brilliant, brilliant um, artifact. Maybe Madame Laqueer's ankle. Uh, <laughs> oh, Eureka's crutches. <laughs> Eureka, yeah, yes, yes, her crutches. You mean the story about her grandmother, the story about her mom, <laughs> the story. Which crutch do you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, The fact shit. that she had this friend, Shakira, who taught her how to be racially sensitive, and oh, then God. she. You know, oh, God. fuck that you, one up. You are spilling the tea. And then um, Asia's butterflies. <laughs> oh, yes. They're already dead, so don't worry about it. Um, oh, man. Some uh, rose petals, yeah, obviously. Yeah, rose petals. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, Mary's yeah. chime in. What, Jasmine's loaf of bread. In? Oh, the loaf of bread. Oh, brilliant. Oh, no. man. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, something of Shangela's. Um, uh oh a box right a box yeah for yeah a box or maybe um just shangela put shangela in there yeah or maybe we could just put in thorgy's note that she taped to trixie's oh, station brilliant brilliant <laughs> there it is mary there it is oh you're good at this you're really yeah good at this. well you know um oh uh thorgy what is it thorgy wanted she wanted a prop oh she wanted like a like a oh, broomstick I, I, or she wanted a big cauldron or something. Oh, like a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And there's that one scene Add the guitar. Add the guitar. Yeah. Just put the guitar in. Yeah. Trixie's guitar. Because well, I think she says, oh, so she gets a big guitar, but right, I don't right. get a cauldron. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. I love that. Um, um, you could put in uh, the uh, um, Alaska's... Uh, Oh man, the the shirt that she gets from Roxy. Yeah, exactly. You put in that. You'd put in um, Mystique Summer Madison's baby picture okay. from the baby picture challenge sure. because it was like sure. a Photoshop. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, listen. This time capsule is gonna be. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I'm mostly excited for the five by seven of Shauna Brooks, but. <laughs> Or eight by ten. I always confuse the size. Whatever. Let's uh, let's talk about this lip sync, Mary. Let's. Yes, I want to just first say that Naomi's dress is already one of my favorites. That lip sync oh, dress. Yeah, the Grinch I mean, dress. Yeah. Oh my god! Like it just was obviously so. Kind of to Monet's point about Trinity's look for the song last week, this fit the lip sync so perfectly, right. and it was so Naomi to like choose this, like, right? And to her credit, she did not feature her legs, so you can't you can't pin that on her. She did this without bringing out those stems. Okay, that I 
I can argue because she did the leg sweeping move. But yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but, you know, she's wearing a long gown. We're not seeing all the nuances. Um, so, so Monet, to me, did this, like, stand and deliver. You got to know what this song is about. And it mm-hmm. just didn't work for this song because the song needed more energy than that. And yeah. she she had this umbrella, which, to be honest with you, like, it looked like a crumpled mess when it started. Like, it was weird when she took it out. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that reveal was very shoehorned in. Um, and honestly, like I was watching Naomi the entire time. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I understood what Monet was doing yeah, and of I course. respected it, was it great. like wanting to kind of channel that Judy energy. But like, I felt like at certain points in the song, it was like, she had to go against the song to keep doing that. Like mm-hmm. the song was just like picking up and she wasn't. And it was like, I love what you're doing, but now it just doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. It's, it's like if, um, makes me think of like Latrice doing natural woman like you could say that this was like the the reverse of of Latrice and Kenya Michaels natural woman lip sync where there's like one who's park and barking and who's killing it and then one who's jumping around in the background and looks a fool and then in this one there's one who's kind of park and barking it and it's not working as well and then one who's flipping around in the background and is killing it totally yeah i just feel like every phrase had a different move a mood from naomi not a move mm-hmm. But a mood. Um, she yes. had a move on many different phrases. Um, I I also love how no one can say Naomi can't lip sync anymore. Like this was. Oh. I mean, she has proven just with two that she is a force. I mean, this was classic drag lip sync too. Like it was mm-hmm. straight out of the eighties. Like there was no goop, goopy like tricks. There was no surprises. It was just full energy, full body. Crazy wacky faces, crazy wacky moves. It was mm-hmm. it was perfect. It was perfect to me. And it was the kind of performance that you might not expect a much younger queen to do so perfectly. Right. You know, to like there was a certain tone and aesthetic and energy that she was channeling that, the whole time. Yeah. The whole yeah, and like and you also can't, you know, you, people can't pull that RuPaul move of like, oh, you're young. You don't know those references. It's like, no, Naomi knew what she was drawing. She knew where this music yeah, was coming she from. Knew. She knew exactly and what it was. <clears throat> she put her own twist on it, you know? It it was, I mean, you know, you kind of measure things against Dita Ritz, you know? And it's like, okay, how close to this will be did this get, <laughs> you know? Right. It did get the Latrice, you know, squeal of approval. So, like, right. that's, you know, when you have Latrice cheer, like, like clapping along in, in the back while you lip sync, you're doing something. Totally. But this did not eclipse Dita, you know? Um, no, no. And, and, and most things can't, but this mm-hmm. was absolutely fabulous. I, when I, yeah, I, I, that's all I have to say about it. I have more yeah. to say about things that happened after, but I didn't know if you were done. Oh, I mean, the only thing I would just say is just to be on, you know, timely with the Oscars, I would say like, when I think of these performances, I think that like Dita Ritz, and I know you don't know this reference, but Dita Ritz is like Tony Collette in Hereditary. Like fucking nothing touches that performance. It is in another stratosphere. Whereas Naomi Smalls was like Olivia Coleman in The Favorite. Great, nuanced, interesting, mixing, you know, all sorts of different ideas. And like good on its own, but like then when you see Tony, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, like nothing touches that. And then I said Monet was like Glenn Close and the wife because she just kind of kept it even. Oh, Glenn Close. Okay, okay, great. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I just want to point out that in the beginning of this All-Star season, I think it was even before it started when we found out Monet was on the season, I said, 
there is no way they're going to have Monet exchange on and not have her fucking lip sync. And I'm yeah. getting exactly what I want. I'm getting a lot of lip syncs from Monet, and I'm so happy about it. <laughs> yeah, we got tons of lip syncs from Monet. It's just, it's been, it's been great. And I, I, I would, I would actually really like to see her do, I'd like to see her do this number on her own, not in a lip sync for your life format, to kind of like just be able to watch her. Because I also wonder, and I know I sound like a Monet apologist, I, I'm not saying she killed the lip sync and we're just not seeing it but i would love to see what it feels like to not have naomi small yeah, killing it right oh my god you know? totally 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 and i'm sure that yeah. we will or we can um yeah i i do love that it was a judy garland number you know oh. we, we had oh. we had a judy garland uh last chance lip sync um about new york right what was it uh, um oh yeah it's oh fuck what's it called i appreciate I, new york oh uh, i i happen to like new i york. happen to like new york yeah i appreciate mm-hmm. new york yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm quite fond of new york um, yeah. i have to say two things when manila gets eliminated first of all manila's boyfriend's reaction the oh and the falls, bsa yeah, the, yeah. the best supporting actress nominee michael now oh, i i want to say that moment when he falls off the couch is great but then the next the shot that goes oh, back sorry. to him. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to talk about the hands of the people he was holding on to. Notice that oh. next time. It's it's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I know what you're talking about, but there is – the next shot is her on the floor, hair half kind of over her face. It's very it, – it's – it's – it's like it's like White Snake video. It's Tawny Katane. <laughs> it's great, but it is this amazing moment. It's like Penelope Cruz and Volver amazing. Oh. Like it's just like oh oh okay. So Michael, best supporting actress for the the being this astronaut's wife. You know, um, really being the astronaut's wife. Well, I I don't know. I I I'm scared to ask who wins best supporting actress this episode. Well, is it um, Tim? Is it Michael? Is it Latrice? Let me go through the nominees. Um, I do have a winner, but let me just go through the nominees to remind everybody. The Best Supporting Actress nominees for this episode are Trinity's Beard Grab. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's so hairy. <laughs> this is a great moment. Um, okay. <laughs> when Latrice wells up while Tim is talking about what they've been through. Sure, that was uh, slow. Rue's talking through tears moment. Yeah. Monet's spilling the tea, Rhea Latrice. Uh, Tim cries behind a wig. Okay, and, that's um, great. Yeah, Michael and his MacArthur Park moment. Oh, God. All right, who do you give it to, Mary? And the winner is... It's Latrice welling up. Oh, okay. It's so, it is so good, and she just stands there and, and emotes, and it's so real. It's so good. And that, like... That choked me up every time. Okay. Ugh. All right. All right. Congrats. Like, Latrice, you were you were not the strongest in the challenge, but you won BSA. So that's all that matters. It's all that, it's matters. All that it truly is all that matters. All that matters. Um Manila's look when she gets eliminated is the most nuanced look I've seen since her eye roll when Trinity was like crying in front of a mirror. Um mm. she looks at those judges like I know. I already know the story. Like oh, the producers yeah. told me what was going to happen. Like I know how this goes. Yeah. I mean, even her energy in the workroom during the deliberations, right. like it felt like she, she was knew. like, "Listen, yeah, she knew. She I knew. mean, she she knew it was like, why wouldn't they send me home? Why right. would they? Latrice is not competition. She knows that. Right. Right. Um, this is a reality show. They know. Yeah, she knows that. And I, I think, you know, I mean, when 
when she leaves and she says, you know, see you later. Like it has such a fuck you. Sure. Absolutely. See you later. I mean, and also like, I don't know if they're going to bring the jury back for the final episode. If they do, maybe that's where that energy comes from. Like, see you later, Naomi. You're not going to fucking win, you know? I mean, I yeah, I don't know if they're going to bring the jury back, but I would say, like, this season, because it's got some goops in it, like, it could be an interesting jury. Oh, you know? yeah. I would love to see Gia come back again. I oh, love my, of course. Gia why not? Back. Yeah. Why not? I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I it would it'd be great to see what Valentina has to say if yeah. she is uh, deeply offended right. by, you know, yeah. the one with the prison record and... <laughs> The husband, <laughs> the husband. Um, <laughs> I, I. So next week, just looking ahead, uh, they're certainly mad at Naomi, quote unquote. I don't know if that's just like a clip, but it does seem like Target is now on Naomi's back. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna predict that some of the editing was meant to make it look like more conflict than there really is about Naomi. Right. I. What interested me the most, and like conversation, I hope kind of really expands the next episode is when Monique says you know it would make really good TV if we sent Trinity home because then there'd be four black queens in the oh top four. I see and I mean that's not like, gonna happen that's not gonna happen no but like facts are facts there is that feeling of like oh deja vu oh Trinity's kind of the front totally runner. Like, and she's the front runner yeah oh I don't man. like it's it, I I don't know what to say about it right like I don't know what to say about it I I I can't deny that Trinity as a drag queen, regardless of the color of her skin, is doing great in this yeah, competition. Yeah, and I think we, have, we just have to remember that, that optics yeah. are one thing and then like, you know, how people are doing in the the show or another and who knows how much mm-hmm. of that is is uh, producer heavy handed. But um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see that, you know, again, it's mostly queens of color uh, yeah. in, the, in the top. Uh, and I... I predict that it's going to be Naomi or Latrice next week, um, mm, but we'll agreed. see. We'll see. I I mean, the previews were also showing Monique uh, messing up in the challenge. Oh, but I that mean, I think is another ruse. Like, I think I feel like the wig coming off was actually it's going to turn out that it was a part of it. Yeah. I mean, if anyone can make that happen, it's Monique Hart. Yeah. I mean, maybe it'll be Naomi and Monique in the bottom. And they're going to have to be like, well, who should go home? It's like, well, Monique has been doing better. And Naomi just sent, you know, the best in the competition home. Fuck Naomi. And they'll we just can't send- trust her. Yeah. Right, yeah right. Who knows? Right. I mean, I could also see Latrice getting sent home because she would feel like the obvious fourth place in the top four. Oh, I see. I see. You know okay. what I mean? I, like, I, well, I, I mean, that. it's tough because I, in some ways she and Naomi are if you if we're looking at if we're doing the math, you know, like. I, I think at the end of the day, I really want to see Monique and Monet in the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they both just like they've been giving us good TV all season. Yeah. Um, I, but I mean, I also will say that like I also want I want Monet to be able to rub it into Bob's fucking smug face. Like, I'm sorry. I listen to sibling rivalry and Bob is so mean to Monet about how he won and she didn't. I'm like, shut up, Bob. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was I was just gonna say I would be really surprised if Monet won, but it would be like the most pleasant surprise ever. Oh, it would like, be the best. It would be the best. It yeah, would, like I, it would I be so well deserved too. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting her to get this far, and so it's been like very exciting. But I think at this point, I might be cheering for Monique. 
I love Monet to death, but I think just in this competition, I just think Monique has uh, just worked her ass off all season. You know? Uh, yeah. I yes. I also. In the same breath, I think there's just a part of me that's rooting for Monet further because of Bob the Drag Queen. And that's it. Sure, I get that. <laughs> and at the end of the day, if either of them win, I'll be I'll be so happy. So like there's oh, for sure. this is a win win situation. Yeah. If Naomi won, I'd be happy. If Trinity won, I'd be happy. If Latrice won, I'd be like, Well, great. They fulfilled the contract they figured out with Latrice before she signed on to do All Stars Four. Shame. Anyway, yeah. Marys, uh, that's our episode on RuPaul's Best Judy's Race. If you have any thoughts, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at AllRightMary, or you can email us at AllRightMaryPodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on the web at AllRightMary.com and reach out to us there. Uh, I am Johnny on Instagram. Sorry, I am Johnny also on Instagram. Uh, and you can get more of me on my podcast in the details, a celebration of nuance. I'm about to put out my next part of my Cherishing Valerie season series on the comeback. Uh, and of course, you can also get more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker. And you can get more of both of us at patreon.com backslash allrightmary, where if you're already a Matreon, you know that you can get bonus episodes every single week, videos, hot takes, all kinds of fun shit. So, I mean... Get on board, girl. Yeah. Patreon.com. Yeah. Backslash uh, All Right Mary. Yeah, $5 Patreons or Patreons uh, are, we're about to start do, uh, recapping um, Drag Race uh, Thailand season yeah, two. season two. Yeah. So if you want early access to Drag Race Thailand season two, practically while it's still happening, bitch, get into yeah. it. Yeah, bitch, get into it. All yeah. right, Mary, uh, what's our last chance lip sync this week? Well, obviously, it's only appropriate that we continue to honor the the lone spitfire of the Stonewall Riot. <laughs> duh. Uh, Judy Garland. Uh, duh. <laughs> Judy Garland, duh. Judy Garland, duh. <laughs> um, and, and so this, I love this song. I think that we could play the whole thing because it is just like a bop from beginning to end. It is such a great lip sync number. Um, it is Judy, and you can find this on the Capital Collection uh anywhere you find music but this is judy singing comes once in a lifetime uh which is appropriate for minilla because all stars came twice in her lifetime oh, so all right yeah um and that's all i got to say for you uh i'm gonna go find a brick and go throw it because judy's got me all fired up there you go mary we'll see you next week Every bye just go along dawn till sundown here's the Every day that comes, comes once in a lifetime Take each day and gather the rosebuds in it Fill each minute Every day that comes, comes once in a lifetime Think of now, tomorrow is waiting in the wings who knows what it brings while the future waits the present swings from day to day in brooklyn or china across the bay only once comes this particular sky only once these precious hours will fly only once in a lifetime today comes by so live live live
future waits The present swings from day to day In Brooklyn or China, across the bay Only once comes this particular sky Only once these precious hours will fly Today comes by, so live.